You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. I know you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it. You've been at a time when your need was so great, you had absolutely no idea how that need was going to be met, and boom, it was there. But you had to get to that point. You probably exhausted all of your time trying to do it. Probably exhausted all of yourself trying to get to that point. But when you got to that point, hey. Jesus told the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because when you're weak, Are you worried about how you will meet your needs? In today's edition of A Sure Hope, Pastor Dave talks about how the Lord will always provide us with what we are needing. His provision may not always look like what we expect, but we can have confidence that He will meet our needs according to His riches and glory. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Ascension of Jesus Christ. So we've got through chapter 1, and now we're ready to head on into chapter 2. So if you'd open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking today at verses 1 through 4. 1 through 4. And again, we're going to be looking at some verses that sometimes cause a controversy, sometimes cause a difference of opinions, and we've been speaking about that all along. And we're going to talk about that again today. We're going to talk about the balance of Scriptures and, and things like that. So if, if you will turn in Acts 2, look at verses 1 to 4, we'll begin today's study. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Throughout the year, there are many days that you might call special. In fact, we refer to these days as holidays. You know, days like this Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. Then there's Christmas, New Year's, Easter, Fourth of July, just to name a few. These are what most of us consider special days, and they all have their own special meanings and are all special for different reasons, but we celebrate them. Some of these days are used to commemorate history in our history, United States history. Some of these days mark the end of the year. Some of these days have been denoted as religious holidays, and they only pertain to a certain group of people, but they're celebrated nevertheless. You know, during these days, we enjoy family. We enjoy friends, and I don't know about you, but I enjoy the food. It's a wonderful time. Sometimes we even exchange gifts. But each of these days is usually accompanied by a festive atmosphere, excitement, anticipation, expectation of the upcoming day. This excitement usually begins months ahead of time because of the media blitz that hits us right between the eyes on TV. 
I mean, I started seeing Christmas commercials back in September. Stores were decorating for Christmas back in September. You know, and so we were forced to view this, and the hype, if you will, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and we get more and more excited, and we buy into this hype as the time passes and as the day slowly gets here. I mean, you know for yourself, if you haven't gone to the grocery store yet for your Thanksgiving dinner, good luck. Because when you get to the grocery store today or tomorrow, it's going to be jam-packed with people running up and down the aisles trying to get all the last-minute stuff, you know. And all the supermarkets are crowded and people are running around buying food for the feast. Shopping malls get more and more crowded as they, people go out and want to buy gifts or different decorations for the holidays. There's a sense of urgency as the days get counted down and there's a special day involved, you know. And I don't care what it does. I think every holiday, if you will, brings some sort of anticipation. It brings some sort of expectation, and depending upon the holiday and what it might mean to you. Many people travel on holidays. In fact, you might know this, that this coming weekend is the busiest travel weekend of the entire year. The busiest travel weekend of the entire year is Thanksgiving weekend. Everybody wants to go over the river and through the woods to get to Grandma's house. Everybody wants to do that, all right? And that's great. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's really, really wonderful. But don't think that these celebration of these days is anything new, like all of a sudden we've discovered something fantastic since you were a little kid. Because several thousand years ago, they did the exact same thing. They celebrated days. They celebrated times of the year that were important to them. In biblical times, especially to the house of Israel, they were called feasts. These feasts were ordained by God, Jehovah, and they were held to commemorate many things. They commemorated what God had done for them in the past, and they celebrated. They celebrated these things. And these feasts were always commanded by God, and they had to be kept in a certain way. There was a procedure each time they came to the feast, it had to be kept in that way. Just a while ago, October 24th, this year, I hope you were here, Carol Joseph was here, and she stood before us, and she explained the fall feast to us. And we got to witness the fall feast through her eyes, the eyes of a Jewish person, and how she related every one of them to Jesus Christ. And it was a really interesting time. If you want more on all the feasts, you can go to Leviticus 23. That's where the feasts are listed, and it talks about each one. It was in the heart of every child of Israel to celebrate every feast in Jerusalem. In fact, the cry at the end of Passover is always, next year in Jerusalem. That's the cry because everybody wanted to be in Jerusalem together to celebrate this feast. And many, many days before, depending upon where they lived, they would start to travel. They would load up the, the family donkey, you know, it wasn't a family truckster, it was a family donkey, and they would start out on their journey, and depending upon how far they lived, and depending upon the time of the year, because these feasts went all year long, they might, it might be a very perilous journey. They might have to travel through very, very cold snow, you know, mountainous regions. I don't know where they lived, and it took a long time. It could be dangerous. All peoples. Now, because of this, because everybody wanted to be in Jerusalem at the time of the feast, Jerusalem became a hustling, bustling place. There were people there from all over Israel, all over the nation. They were there, and they were crowded into the town for the celebration. And there were all sorts of people there, and they all spoke different languages. But they were there to commemorate and celebrate the feast. Pentecost is this type of day. 
It's this type of celebration, the day of Pentecost. Penta, meaning 50. Pentecost takes place in the spring. It's 50 days after Passover. It was a commemoration. It celebrated the completion of the winter harvest. It celebrated the completion of the winter harvest. We read in Leviticus 23 that the Jews were to bring two loaves of bread as an offering. These two loaves represented the two tablets of the law of Moses because Pentecost, the exact day, was considered to be the exact day when Moses was given the law by God at Mount Sinai. But we know that the Old Testament is but a foreshadow of things to come. We know that the Old Testament is just a foreshadow of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who was to come. So therefore, Pentecost becomes an illustration to us. Whereas 3,000 people died on the day that the law was given at Mount Sinai. You can find that in Exodus 22, uh, 32, verse 38. Whereas 3,000 people died when the law was given, 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost. You can find that in Acts 2, 41. We'll be talking that, about that in another week or so. So the two loaves that represent the old covenant, the law, these two loaves now represent a new covenant, Jews and Gentiles, together, together now in one accord, together in like mind, and the birth of a new organization, and that organization is known as the Church of Jesus Christ. The difference, the loaves that they had for Pentecost then were unleavened. There was no leaven in them, and leaven always represents sin. The two new loaves, though, have leaven because we are sinners saved by grace. So there is sin in the, in the bread now, and we represent that sin, but we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Saved there. So this is where we find our scriptures today, and this is where we find this group of believers that we've been following now for the last eight weeks since we've been in Acts 1. This group of 120 believers in the upper room, together now, waiting. Waiting for the promise of the Father that Christ told them to wait for. In verse 1 of today's scriptures, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were together with one accord in one place. Now remember, 10 days earlier, Ten days earlier, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told them in Acts 1, verse 4, to wait for the promise of the Father in Jerusalem. Wait for the promise. And after this, Jesus ascended in heaven, and they were alone. He left them. They had spent ten days alone without their Lord. And this was unusual for them, because they had never been this long without Jesus. For three and a half years or so, they were with him everywhere he went. I mean, the longest they'd ever been, been without him was the three days that he was in the tomb. That was the longest they'd ever been without him. But now he was gone, and it's been ten days. And they were at the end of themselves. They were at the very end of themselves, and they were beginning to realize just how much they needed his presence, just how much they needed to be filled with the love that they had. They remembered the times when he was with them, and he filled them with such love, and they were filled with the presence of God because he was with them, his actual presence, his actual physical body. They believed Jesus. They believed the promise of the Holy Spirit was coming. Why? Because Jesus told them. They believed. They had faith. 
But it seemed as though they were getting a bit antsy in this waiting period. The last 10 days, you know, they were kind of getting antsy. They're all together, you know. You know, we don't read a lot into that. Well, we discussed last week how they might have made a premature move in electing Matthias. We discussed that at great length, that they might have made this premature move when they said Matthias was going to be numbered with us as one of the 12 to take Judas's place. Did they really wait upon the Lord? Or were they acting out of frustration? We talked about that last week. But regardless, the Scripture says they waited. And they were in one accord in prayer and supplication. I wonder what it was like in that upper room those 10 days. I wonder what it was like being there. Was there frustration or was there excitement? Maybe a little bit of both. I'm not sure. They knew the feast was coming. Remember, they knew the Scriptures. They were learned men of the Scriptures. They knew God's Word. So they knew the feast was coming. They knew the days were at hand for the feast. They could tell that Jerusalem was getting more and more crowded by the day. Was there an anticipation in their hearts? Did they say, where are we going to celebrate the feast? Are we going to celebrate the feast? Well, to not celebrate the feast was almost sacrilegious. You, couldn't, you had to celebrate the feast if you were a child of Israel. You had to celebrate the feast. And they probably were worried about it. And then in the meantime, they're thinking, well, what about the promise of the Father? What's that going to look like? How's that going to get here? Will we know when it comes? And, and there must have been thousands of things going through their mind. This was anticipation. But I also believe there was an expectation. They expected something because Jesus told them something would be happening. It was an expectation. So they had an anticipation and an expectation. I don't know about you. When I come here every day, every time I get in this place, I expect something. I have an anticipation of the Lord's moving. I have an anticipation of who I might see, who I might talk to. And I know that the Lord is here when I get here. Yeah, He's with me at all the time. He'll never leave me or forsake me. But it says wherever three or more are gathered, He appears in their midst. He's here right now. So I have an anticipation. Oh, the Lord's going to be here. And I'm always so excited to get to church. I love to come in here because I have that anticipation, but I also have that expectation. The expectation that Jesus is going to speak to me. He's going to show me something. I'm going to learn something today that I didn't know before. And somebody's going, I'm going to be able to, to, to pray with someone. I'm going to be blessed in some way. So I have that expectation. I have that anticipation when I walk in the door. Was that what they were feeling? Was that what they were feeling in the upper room? Remember, they'd missed them for a long time. There was expectation in their hearts. They were waiting for the promise of the Father because Jesus never lied. They were expecting to receive his promise. Their hearts must have been soaring. They must not have known what to feel. I can imagine sitting in those chairs that were getting antsy. They were getting very, very excited. I liken this to, in my mind, I liken this to when I was a young boy on Christmas Eve. Oh, boy. Oh, man, Christmas Eve. You know that Christmas Eve was the When I was a young kid, Christmas Eve was the only day in the year that had about 55 hours in it. And I watched that clock. And it never moved. You know, it was almost like Tom Cruise in the movie Risky Business. When he's looking at the clock and it went backwards and he screams, that's how I felt Christmas Eve. It couldn't go fast enough. And I knew that if I got on the clock and I turned that clock forward, Christmas would come sooner. And I knew that. Well, you know, it didn't work that way. And Christmas Eve night was the longest night of the whole wide world. You know, and my parents will say, the sooner you go to bed, the sooner Santa gets here. I'd be in bed at 4 o'clock trying to sleep, you know. How come I can't sleep? It didn't work that way. But the anticipation was incredible, and I was excited. Excited. I still get excited. I can't tell, but I know that. 
But did they have this kind of excitement? Was this the kind of excitement that was building in their heart? Because, you know, as much as excitement as I used to get at Christmas and still can get over the holidays, there's nothing like the excitement of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like the excitement of the Holy Spirit and the love that He gives to us. There's nothing as exciting to me as fellowshipping with you people, as fellowshipping one to another, talking about the Lord, teaching His Word, being in fellowship, worshiping Him. It's just there's something so exciting about that. As I stated, as I said earlier, they believed Jesus. They believed that He was going to come and that He would truly, or He would truly send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would come. Because of their oneness, because of their like minds, they had no doubt. There was no doubt in their minds because if somebody started to doubt, somebody was there to say, come on, Jesus is faithful. He's true. He's the one that's going to bring us to us. Let's continue to think about that. They didn't waver at the promise of God. They were ready for anything that Jesus might give to them because they knew it would be good. They knew it would be good. They needed his presence. They longed for the presence of Jesus Christ. I mean, during the time between the Ascension and Pentecost, they were very aware of their need to be filled. You know, the 40 days they spent with Jesus after the resurrection, you know, he would come and he would go, and it was exhilarating. You know, every time they saw him, it was so exhilarating because they, he really rose from the dead. He's really alive. It must have been great. But Jesus was not there, and they were lonely. They needed Jesus. They were empty. They were more aware of their master's needs than they've ever been aware of it before. You know, when I was thinking about this, I thought, Lord's got them right where he wants them. Lord has to take ourselves to the end of ourselves. He's got to take us to a point where we can't rely on anything but him to be filled. He takes us and we try all our own things and we get to that one point and there's no place else to go. And he's got us right where he wants us. I can just see, I can just see Jesus saying that, or saying, I got him right where I want him. Now I can really bless their socks off. Now I'm really ready to hit him right between the eyes. This is going to be great. And they're like, oh, we need our Lord. Now I can send the promise. It's so like our Savior to take us to that point of great need and then fill us. I know you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it. You've been at a time when your need was so great, you had absolutely no idea how that need was going to be met, and boom, it was there. But you had to get to that point. You probably exhausted all of your times trying to do it. You probably exhausted all of yourself trying to get to that point. But when you got to that point, bam. Jesus told the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because when you're weak, he is strong. Oh, if we would only get to that point first. We would only get to that point. Take the shortcut. Take the shortcut to the past. Get to that point first instead of going through all that trouble, all those things that failed that you tried to do. If we could only just circumvent, boom, get there, go. Get me here. I'm ready. Yeah. The Scripture says that the day of Pentecost had fully come. That means it was the actual day, and it was a Sunday. I can prove it was a Sunday. It was the first day of the week. If you go, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. In Leviticus 23, verse 15, this is what it says about the Feast of Pentecost. And you shall count for yourselves the day after the Sabbath from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. Seven Sabbaths, that's 49 days, shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. This is a Sunday because the Sabbath was always on the seventh day, which was a Saturday. It still is. 
So this is the first day of the week. That's when, they, that's when Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. That's when the house, the new church met on the first day of the week. And that is why we meet on the first day of the week, to celebrate Christ. To celebrate Christ. So the Pentecost day had come. So the feast day had come. The believers are still in the upper room. And remember our discussion a while back. We said we believed that this upper room was an upper room in the temple. It was an upper room in the temple area. They were still waiting. They were still in one accord. And they were in one place together. You know, I can't think of a better way for a group to present themselves to the Lord than to be of one accord like mine, to be in one place together, and to be waiting upon the Lord. You may not realize this, but this is exactly what we do on Wednesday night after Bible study. We're all here together, and we pray. We're all in like mind, like-minded men, like-minded women, like-minded in Jesus Christ, and we pray. And there's power there. And the fruits of our labor can be seen in the lives of the individuals, not only here that have prayed, but who we've prayed for. And we can see the fruits and the strength of that as God has blessed us. That's exactly what we do. So although there might be frustration, and they might have erred in the selection of the uh, Matthias for the person to take care of Judas's spot, I am amazed at the patience that they showed waiting these 10 days. Because I remember in John's Gospel, right, when they were waiting on the risen Lord, the Lord told them to go ahead, go ahead to Capernaum and I'll meet you there. And they're all sitting around the campfire. And Peter's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. He probably waited two seconds. He said, oh, I can't stand this anymore. I'm going fishing. And everybody went fishing with them. The Lord appears when they're out there fishing. But they didn't have this frustration this time. They didn't have this frustration. They were obedient to God's word. And God says, if you are obedient in the little things, if you are faithful in small things, I'm going to make you faithful in much. They were faithful to God's word. They obeyed what God told them to do. And they were sitting there and they were praying. And I don't know about you, but we can sit and pray. There's no particular posture that we have to have when we pray. How many of you pray while you're driving your car? I hope you don't close your eyes. Well, then how can it be a prayer? You didn't close your eyes. No, God hears all prayers. He hears every prayer of our heart. He hears the prayers of a sincere heart and answers those prayers. So here we have, here we have God listening to their prayers. They're praying and waiting on the promise of the Father. They're praying that God would anoint them, that God would send them the promise what they're doing. We don't know if their eyes were open. We don't know if their eyes were shut. We don't know if they were praying out loud or if they were praying silently. It just says they were sitting. And again, some people don't pray out loud because they don't think they have the most eloquent words. I can't pray out loud because I can't be as eloquent as this person who's praying. God's looking for a sincere heart. He's looking for you to open up your hearts. He doesn't mind your words. It's not your words that make the prayer. It's where they come from. If they come from a sincere heart, God will answer your prayer. The best prayer you can pray is, Lord, help me. It's the best prayer you can pray. Not to have these eloquent things, eloquent speech. He hears it. He knows it. So they were praying. They were praying, and they were sitting there, and they were waiting. The next thing that happens is one strange supernatural phenomenon. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. 
Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? He met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AsureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope.